What's good with everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Hoops Podcast. It's your host with the most. My name is Gifted, and we're back for another episode of Gifted Hoops. I'm happy to be back. I've been gone for quite some time. A lot has happened since our last episode. The Denver Nuggets officially won the championship. Zion has been getting into some drama. John Moran has been suspended. There's a lot to talk about, but the number one thing we have to focus on today is the Bradley Beal trade. That is right. There was a blockbuster trade that took place where Bradley Beal was traded from the Washington Wizards to the Phoenix Suns to form a big three with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, where the Suns basically traded Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and a bunch of second round picks for the most part. No first round pick involved in the deal. I'm surprised, so I know you guys had to be surprised as well, but a lot went down and Today, I'm joined with three of my favorite people to cover the NBA with. Tony Schwartz of Five Reasons Sports. That's right, it rhymes, Tony. You gotta give me some credit because I introduced you properly this time. Derek Stein of the Not Just Dribble podcast, frequent collaborator, great mind for the Philadelphia side, and also Luke Charles, who's been a phenomenal watcher of the NBA for me to discuss games with. We all came together and talked about this trade and also how the NBA is going to be impacted by the new collective bargaining agreement that has been inked that will take place officially next season. And we also talk about the Suns roster and just how that is going to look in the next two to three years, even beyond this season to fully talk about the future of the Suns in the NBA. So officially, we have a lot that we talked about. It was over two hours worth the conversation, but I'm going to trim all of this into a nice little 48 50 minute episode here and we're going to get right into it so the conversation is going to start right here i just wanted to introduce everything right here if you're new make sure to like comment and subscribe on the youtube side of things if you're listening to the audio version make sure to tap in to the video version if you're on the video version make sure to run it up on that audio version on spotify apple Podcasts, five stars everywhere we go i appreciate that because it helps us grow and we'll be delivering consistent uploads with this podcast week to week to week sometimes you might do two in a week based on how crazy this offseason gets but this is part one of several other parts that we'll be dropping later on as we continually upgrade this podcast with episodes. So have some patience. I appreciate all y'all support. Without further ado, let's get right into the Gifted Hoops podcast. We've been talking about the Beal trade a lot. Um, I've been on the phone with Tony like for a grip talking about it. And then randomly, the Suns got involved like very, very last minute. I didn't really expect it to happen. I thought it was like a smokescreen thing going on because I'm like, surely what could they trade to make this happen? And then today, like about an hour or two ago, he was traded to the Suns. Bradley Bill waived his no trade clause. He's officially on the Phoenix Suns in a deal that I'm still trying to understand from the Washington angle what they're getting from doing that that's over the package that the Heat provided. I'm still kind of at a loss, guys. I mean, I am as well. I, I, I don't... I'm waiting for more details to come out as far as this number of second-round picks included, uh, but it doesn't make me feel any better about this trade. I thought for sure if Phoenix was in here, it was really just like Brad said, yeah, I'd like to go to Phoenix, and Washington was like, that's cute. We're just really setting you up for Miami, and 
we actually have nothing uh to do with phoenix uh but we'll just do that so miami like we drive up miami's price and then when it got serious i was like i guess they can toss an ayton uh and just say you know we can get rid of one seemingly bad contracting take on a hopefully better one and then they trade chris paul landry sham and some stuff and that was the trade and i I, i'm still trying to understand why either team really did this i mean for phoenix yeah i mean the salary is what the salary is what really belongs it for phoenix because while they improved their team immediately they kind of in a sense handicapped their flexibility because I'll get that was mentioned before, they don't have any picks now. And DeAndre Aiden essentially is like their last asset. They have about nine roster spots to fill as well. So it's really going to be an uphill battle trying to, you know, generate an actual team here. Yeah, and, and I think it's important, too, for us to clarify that the Bradley Beal trade has not been executed. Um there's still room for this trade to not only expand, and when you trade a superstar like this, every single time teams are trying to get in on the fringes for uh, a minority asset or a guy that they can use to fill out their rotation or looking for a way to add a pick uh, into their treasure trove. And that's currently what's happening now. You know, you're hearing rumors about Gafford uh, being shipped out. You're hearing rumors about KP and, and the Clippers wanting to be, uh, have a piece of all of this. And so we're going to see how this breaks down. But, you know, like Gifted said, it, it did feel like the Suns came in late to the conversation. Now, all this happened really rapidly. I mean, we're only five days removed from the NBA finals. Right. So this all happened very rapidly. And, and Miami's inclusion to Bradley Beal uh, kind of came out of nowhere to me. That that conversation and, and Washington's readiness to get this deal done came out of nowhere. Uh, for me personally, but once we got it going, it was really clear that those two teams had a lot of interest in each other and getting a deal done. I think that the Heat could offer a similar concept, which is clearing a lot of cap space and, and giving up assets that were desirable, like first-round picks, which <laughs> apparently in the end didn't move the needle for Washington. They were happy with pick swaps to the second round. Uh, but it, it does feel like Washington wanted to get this deal done before the, the uh, NBA draft. Uh, they wanted to start to allocate themselves in position to rebuild their franchise and have the pressure of the draft to help do that. And they didn't want to have to deal with moving Beal uh, before that. So now they have an artificial deadline that's going to help them move players and pieces for, for assets, maybe even trading up into this draft to get players uh, with names like Christoph Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma. So we're, we'll see how it all works out. I think for, for Miami, the, the hot and heavy reporting that it wasn't there. You know, we were so quick to talk about the fit with Beal and, and, and the Heat. And the thing that didn't get reported is that the Heat are just watching Dame really closely. And they absolutely wanted to know what was happening with that guy before we moved further away into the season and... and I think that meant that they couldn't make a deal until the draft. Um, this is my own personal belief, but it, it did happen quick, and it's still happening. Like uh, the, the funny thing is, guys, this could just blow up. <laughs> this whole thing it could. could just blow up, and there's no Bradley Beal deal. Uh, this hasn't been finalized and hasn't even been submitted yet. I think the best thing that you said is 
the rapidness of how fast it's happened because ultimately that's why this deal happened. Um, the Suns were extremely aggressive in how they wanted to get Beal. I'm pretty sure a report came out that Beal waived his no trade clause after hearing both pitches and partially towards the Suns, he felt inclined because they were very aggressive in their approach. So I feel as if they have to have some type of a backup plan because for those that don't know, um, after the 24-25 season begins, the apron stuff comes into effect in terms of the salary, which means if things go badly and the Suns don't win, the only way to improve their roster massively at that point would be to trade one of their big three, right? And if you do that, because they'll be over the two aprons, they are not going to be able to aggregate salary, which means basically combining a bunch of other contracts for a player. That means one of their three, they'll have to trade through finding another player in the league who is a close match. And the funniest part about it is Bill can just say, no, I'm not going to be that guy. Like you trade somebody else. And then it comes down to trading KD or Booker, assuming things don't work out. So Aiden is really like their last big piece. I think the same person, like they're going to be, if this is their roster. They're going to be locked into this roster. Like, yeah, very few avenues to, to maneuver around that because of the new CBA and because of what you just explained, like, Side before where you just had to worry about matching the money, and so I don't, I don't see, I don't see significant changes happening once that CBA kicks in. Yeah, it's but almost like they, they have to move eight now, right? Like they got to move them yes. now to get depth. They're sorely lacking it. But here's my thing about that, right? Like because the logical move everyone has brought up today is to move eight for depth. But what I'm like. If you move Aiden, a competent center has to come back, no? Yeah, I mean, that, especially with Frank Vogel at the helm, a defensive-minded coach who is already, you know, he's done his due diligence in complimenting Aiden and his, you know, his defensive potential. But I just, I, I, they still don't have a point guard. And to me, that still is troublesome as well. Because How what, dare you, Cameron Payne? Great minutes. So anyway, they, <laughs> so they still don't have a lead facilitator. And as much as I've acknowledged Devin Booker's growth in that regard and Beal is a willing passer, same to KD, these guys do need setups uh, very often, yeah, especially very in playoff-level basketball when teams actually you know are honing in. So on top of needing a big, because KD's you know rotation can only do so much, especially if you don't have a big body, there are so many holes with this team, and I think it's fair to point out Bradley Beal and Devin Booker have extremely similar skill sets. I, I don't know that they're really complementing each other. Booking, I've KD. got breaking podcast news. Breaking podcast news. Okay, lay it on. It looks like it looks like six seconds and a bunch of swabs past twenty twenty six. Six seconds. Okay. Six seconds. They have no assets left, basically, at this point. They have no picks at all. Oh, my God. That's crazy. So there's no And they're going to have to... What did you say, Dirk? I was going to say, so this is it. I mean, and as Tony just mentioned with DeAndre Ayton, you know, we, we can probably discuss his potential landing spots because you brought up Luke... 
you know, you want a competent or starting caliber center coming back. We, you know, pre-pod discussed the Dallas Mavericks. I don't know that any of us believe that any one of those centers a, coming back is yeah. going to be, you know, enough. They don't have a competent center, really. Not, <clears throat> not in terms of, not in terms of wanting to actually contend in the Western Conference. No. Right. It's Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell, Javale McGee. That, that, yeah. So it's like if you want to, like if you're going to do some sort of aid and trade, that you know brings you back a center you can work with. You have to go talk to like Atlanta or something like. I don't know if, like, I've heard Charlotte thrown out there. I don't know who they're supposed to be getting back from Charlotte. I heard Bridges' name come up a few times. I, know, I think PJ but, could be interesting there. I think PJ's I think PJ on the table. Nice. Yeah, like, it yeah. gets you the pieces. Like, it does get you, like, the rotational pieces that you might ideally need. But if, you, if you're giving away Aiden and you don't have a starting center, that's I, – I don't – I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, you can't run Kevin Durant at center for long stretches, especially not in the regular season. That's not that's something you can go to in the playoffs. You certainly can't do it then. Um, yeah, they do need a big body. There's going to be a lot of vet minimum guys that are on the table that might be competent enough with the way that they want to play. A big in that offense doesn't need to do anything else but rim protect. And I, I think there's going to be options for them. Um, I mean, but the 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 name that pops up first to me that we didn't discuss because I think we all have biases about this player, but would they not target Christian Wood in Dallas? I don't see why. I don't think Christian Wood, like if you want rim protection, you're not getting that out of Christian Wood. Right. I didn't mention him for that exact reason. I think think it's he has the offensive capability to like still be a piece, but I don't believe his rim uh, rim deterrence, let alone rim protection, uh, is going to be enough. I I think the name I come back to, and this is relatively high profile, but it's only because both of these teams had discussed DeAndre Ayton before, and this name has been floated out the last three years at least. It's Collins. Not Collins, although admittedly interesting. I I go back. Is it Miles Turner you're thinking about? uh, It's Miles Turner I'm thinking about. I go back to Indiana, and I think before the draft pick, before the Bradley Beal thing, I think this was still possible. I think they would have used the last of their assets. They would have thrown in a Landry Shamit or I was going to say a sweetener. I don't even know what Phoenix has as far as a sweetener to this deal. But I think like a swap, more or less, of Turner and Ayton could have been possible. Turner's 27. Ayton's a little bit younger. Indiana could take, you know, the rim running potential with Halliburton and that duo could actually be something and, you know, try and get out with some picks, but now the Suns have no picks. So it feels unlikely, but Turner would be the ultimate solution seemingly to all these problems. I mean, I would rather have Deandre Aiden than Miles Turner. Really? Really? Yeah, I would. I think he's a better player than Miles Turner. Better player. I think is definitely a discussion, but I think better fit. I think I really like Turner's fit as far as how much I could trust his defense in comparison to DeAndre Do you think Miles Turner gives them what they need? I think it's far closer to what they need. Do I think they're going to win the title just just if they got him? No. I think there's so many problems with this team. But, I mean, if I I can get 15 or 16 a game with 7-ish rebounds and really good rim deterrence... I mean that's that's what Miles Turner provides, and that's really good. 
You know, I'm finding this is what DeAndre Aiden gives you. I mean, I think that Miles Turner is a is a pretty good shot blocker, but I don't. I mean, I don't know how often you guys watched Miles Turner play, but he doesn't really like contact either. He doesn't like grabbing rebounds either. And you have to have you need you need uh, personnel on your team, especially in the playoffs, that are going to limit teams to one possession. And I'm just I wouldn't want Miles Turner anchoring my defense and tasking my team to do that. But that's just me. I feel like Aiden is with all his problems because I'm not I'm not big on Aiden either. I I think he would be more confident in in terms of what Phoenix would need than than Miles Turner. Well, he's certainly more cost controlled. If you have another year of Aiden's contract than than Miles. Um, you're paying him thirty five million versus Aiden's thirty million over four years. I, I'm I'm not necessarily so convinced that that's the swap because you you're it's a one for one. That's a player for a player. When I look at the the Suns right now, your next best forward is what Craig. Yeah, it is, might be Tory Craig or, even is Tory Craig even returning? Yeah, ish, because ish, ish Wainwright, like that's the best guys you have under contract right now. They have Tory Craig under contract currently. I I don't believe so. I have to, the only I have guy, to go the look only, up this stuff on Spotrack. The only ones confirmed are eight and KD book, and you know, again, Beal as soon as it's confirmed. Yep, every other contract is not confirmed. So, and as far as Turner, so he's two years and just under 41 mil uh, from his like, you know, two year plus extension kind of thing that he signed mm-hmm. with Indiana. So he's on a like a more team friendly thing as far as Phoenix would be concerned. I, I hear what you're saying, Luke, and I agree that again, on paper, I feel like if it wasn't for the money and it wasn't for the disaster class we saw from Aiton. Uh, at times last season, Aiton would be the easy pick. My biggest concern is Aiton feels like, to me, Aiton really only stays engaged defensively if he is included offensively. He hasn't shown me that he's willing to just do the dirty work, so to speak, and be content with that. Now, part of that could have been the Monty Williams you know, relationship, which we know was fractured and Monty was trying to find basically anyone else to play center and get Aiden off his team because they had just come to an impasse. So maybe it's better with Vogel and that could change things. But if you don't have an engaged Aiden, you really just don't have enough. Aiden's a better rebounder than Turner for sure. That That is not up for debate. But Aiden just gets into really bad habits offensively at times. And now... You remove Chris Paul, who was the one player who could routinely get Aiton engaged as far as pick and roll or with DHOs. And now you're getting Beal, KD, and Book as your lead decision makers. I don't think they're going to look Aiton's way offensively. I just don't. I I firmly agree with that. Um, like I said, I don't. I have reservations about Aiton. We all saw what happened in the play, in the postseason. So yeah. I guess we're just really talking about like the lesser <laughs> of two conundrums, essentially. I, and that's why I don't, I don't necessarily know if they trade. First of all, we're talking about a move that's three, four steps away for the Phoenix Suns right now. We haven't even discussed what we think Bradley Beal would look like on this roster. We got into 20 minutes of DeAndre Ayton <laughs> yeah. discussion. That's right. true. Yeah. 
So I, you know, at this point, I think that I, I kind of disagree with Derek. I don't think there's any way in hell that the Suns want to take on more salary right now, even if we're talking about five million. I, I think DeAndre Ayton's contract, the fact that they could have a center that's extended out for four years is more appealing to them right now because they're fucked. Their their cap table it, with three guys is absolutely fucked going forward into the new CBA. But if I'm wrong, I, I don't think DeMiles is the answer there either because uh, you're not turning one player into two. You know, you, you have your exceptions. You have your buy. You have your uh, taxpayer bid level. And you... I have a trade exception too, by the way, which they absolutely have to use this five million dollars they have from Dario Saric's trade ex- trade exception. That has to get used to acquire a player, otherwise they are just completely fucked when it comes to fielding a roster. Um, and there's some guys that can sign for early bird, like Tory and and Bismack, and I, I think they absolutely have to sign Bismack just because of the situation that we're talking about. But when you get past that, the rest of these guys, non bird, non bird, that you have to sign them with cap, and I, it's not possible. So right now they have seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. Eight players that they can bring back for their team right now, including Bradley Beal. Maybe one that they can get with the Dario Saric exception. So that's nine guys. Now you have to find a way to field three more guys using minimum taxpayers and biannuals. Four more guys. That's tough, man. That's yeah, really if tough. If I'm looking at this correctly, not only Tory Craig, um, the early bird I wasn't aware of, but TJ Warren, of course, Josh Okogie, Jock Lando, Terrence Ross, Damian Lee, Dwayne Washington Jr., all those guys, free agents. Free agents. All of them. Yeah. You you can't you can pick up their cap holds, but they're they're you know they're all free agents. It's it's weird. I just don't think there's a deal that that's on the table where it's a one for one with Aiden. Um, it can't be. It can't be because they don't have enough pieces. And like, I'll say the worst part is having to replace Aiden. You have to get a big man back because you just have to. So if you're getting a, a big man back, that now takes away from the other value position that you need. This team to me uh-oh. needs a point guard. It needs wings that can defend in some capacity and it needs a rebounding defensive anchor. It needs three separate things and they have one contract to trade, which would be trading away from one of those positions. It's going to be very hard for them in my opinion. So I think there's a lot of synergy with John Collins because you can get a guy, you can take someone else from their roster. Now, I don't know why Atlanta would help you. But John Collins is $25 million, leaves you space to grab an A.J. Griffin or a Jalen Johnson or a Sadiq Bey. Like, you desperately need those kind of wings on your roster right now. So let's talk about let's talk about how, like, given that they literally have no picks, what would even incentivize a team to give up two valuable rotational players just to acquire Aiden and pay him they don't $30 even million? They have the picks have- that we did. That's a great point. Great point. A, yeah. team, a team would have to, like, really value Aiden. Like, because now it changes the entire dynamic. Before, when they had what they just gave away to Washington, it's like, okay, maybe a team will, you know, absorb him and give away a couple of their, like, expirings or whatever to um to take the picks. But they don't have any fucking picks. So it's like a team, like, you... If, like getting these rotational players, like it, it almost sounds like a fantasy at and, this point. And to build off of what Luke just said, so 
even if we had Aiton ended the season on like a positive note, which I don't really think he did, but to be fair, I don't think most of Phoenix did aside from Book. Even if Aiton was looked at in a positive light, I feel like there's a very strong chance that the rest of the league kind of just looks at Phoenix as this, you know, potential juggernaut. I don't know that any of us are believing that, but there's probably teams that are, you know, a little bit nervous. Why would anyone want to help them? Because they realize taking Aiton off their hands could open the door to more depth and make them potentially more dangerous. Like, I think back to the Miami Heat and the Heat couldn't get a center when in the big three era. Like, they, they had Joel Anthony. Sorry, Tony. Respect to him. But they couldn't get another big. And that was, like, their one seemingly crucial need. So I wouldn't be shocked at the rest of the NBA teams kind of, like, you know, more or less banding together and saying, yeah, you know what? We're not going to help out uh, Phoenix. And, you know, Aiden like, can just sit and wait. Because, Derek, like, one of the proposed uh, trade scenarios when we were in these spaces, like, you know, before the season ended, was oh well what if um you know phoenix picks up the phone they call indiana they say aiden and whatever they just whatever picks they have they just give up to washington let's say aiden and these picks you know and you give us back buddy hill and miles turner or whatever it was and it's like aiden and you know aiden and another guy that would you know make the salary match whatever and it's like now at this point why would indiana do that for example like why would they give away both buddy and miles no one said it at all. You're right. Just to acquire DeAndre, they have to really, and and they were the team that gave him an offer sheet. So in a sense, it's like, okay, but that's, cooked. that's cooked now, Luke, because you can't do Buddy and Miles. There's not enough salary. Well, yeah, oh, because yeah, yeah now they, that's the other thing because you can't like you can't attach like Landry Shamit, for example, which yeah. would have, which would have like. I believe because what's Buddy and Miles combined is it's at what like twenty or it's, sorry forty it's thirty thirty five with Miles alone. So whatever Buddy is, Buddy's at like 19, 18, 19, something around that. Buddy is at eighteen, yeah, yeah, eighteen. So yeah, no, the salary doesn't match anyways. So, but just like hypothetically speaking, like whether you're talking about Indiana or like Charlotte or whoever, like if a team's yeah. not getting back a pick out of taking on Aiden's contract, why are they giving up valuable rotational pieces when another team would probably be wanting to give up a first for one of their guys? And again, more teams are less inclined to take Aiden's contract because chances are they're going to try and Phoenix is going to try and take back less money because of the obvious apron issues. Yeah. And another team is like, I don't even want to mess with, you know, an apron issue, especially if we're not in contention. Like, why would I have to worry about a salary cap issue when I'm just worried about playing or, you know, taking my chance at the lottery. So even in non-contenders, they're less inclined now, especially with the CBA, to help out a team like a Phoenix in this situation. There's exactly. so many barriers of entry to this because now it's like, okay, do you have the money to make work? <laughs> right. And by the way, it's funny because I want to apologize. Right? I read my I read Miles's number wrong. Uh, it's going to make no, me sound okay. really, really good for no, the last good. hour and a half. Uh, Miles' number is twenty million dollars. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, yeah. I, okay. I'm like, I thought it was. I thought both of them combined added up to like forty. So like eighty yeah. Landry would have like worked. But nobody, nobody's listening to this shit anyway. So it's okay. Oh, that's damn. wow. And I corrected so, Tony politely, um, but hey, how nice of you. Um, I just want to be clear. Like, like my thing with this is, is the barriers of entry to the trade makes it so difficult. And 
it's funny because this is before the new CBA, which means they can aggregate other contracts now. They just can't do it in the future. And they're right. still struggling because they only have eight. Right. That's wild to me. Yeah. And here's I mean, the other it, thing is like, they, like, it, like, why would Toronto give up a wing for Aiden? You know what I mean? Because the Golden State needs wings. The Lakers are looking for wings. They're point. Yeah. Memphis, Memphis needs a wing. All those teams. I, I'm not sure about the Lakers, but those teams have firsts to give up. So the moment that become that becomes part of the equation, it's like you're hanging it's up done. the phone on Phoenix. <laughs> Yeah. I, oh, that I, makes this way more dire. That makes it makes this entire situation actually way more dire when you sit down and you really think about it because the competition is another barrier of, of entry <laughs> with these trades. I just I and I want to talk about the Phoenix Sun in large uh, for a second because we just really have we've dove into this fake hypothetical trade stuff. I, the idea that they were a juggernaut before was at least a little more interesting to me because I, I saw, you know, I don't know, eight guys. You can do it with eight guys. You really can. I mean, they have, they have five right now. And that's if, that's if you include, like, dudes that are on early birds right now, Tory Gray. Yeah. So I, I truly am, am confused uh, at the decision to fully commit to Bradley Beal without there seeming to be something else in the table and that's where i think we talked about this off-site but they have a good idea i would hope of what they're going to do next because as it stands right now this roster won't make it through a regular season i mean you, you're playing kevin durant way more than necessary uh and he's just a guy that i i don't trust to stand up to the rigors of a season right now and it's it's not a, a hit on him he's a guy that you shouldn't have to have play 82 games for 36 minutes a game like at this point in his career he shouldn't it's unfair to the player it's unfair to ask him to give you that um the idea is bradley beal's going to take pressure off of those guys but they still have to play you know even if they're only playing one way they still have to play they still have to be on the court physically right yeah yeah, it's it's tough and and older guys you you want them to stay warm you don't want them to go cold but they're danger periods you know they they talk about this with with trainers and uh, you know, health professionals, like you, you get into danger periods where you've been going so long that you're going to risk injury. And that's when guys get set down, uh, regardless of if they want to or not. Shout out to to PJ Tucker. You, you get to sit down because you're at a, at a danger point. Um, that's going to happen to KD, especially coming off of multiple surgeries. So I, I just don't see the Suns right now as a contender. And in my eyes, uh, obviously on paper, they're incredibly impressive. But at the moment, uh, they're too thin. They're too thin. You saw what depth meant this year more than any before. Yeah, I, that's what I'm struggling to understand, how the Suns, Booker, KD, they could just watch the Nuggets win the finals. Watch the two teams, by the way, who made it to the finals. What do they have on their side? I mean, obviously to a lesser degree for Miami, but they had health. They had Respect health. Extras. Yes, and they had some depth. I'm talking like the Heat lost Oladipo, and obviously Hero missed like the finals. But right. in, in any case, they had guys that they could call upon. And, you, and Tony, you said eight guys. That's one of my staples as far as a championship team. You need an eight-man rotation. Every per, The last 
champions of at least the past seven, eight years have all had eight-man rotations they could go to. And, the, I mean, the Suns don't even have a six. I mean, let's, like, we are looking at this team, and we were saying it was thin before Beal got here. And... Sure, if you replace Chris Paul who didn't play with a guy like Beal, it's like, well, obviously it's got to be better, right? It's like, well, not exactly. Beal hasn't played 60-plus games, or 60 games for that matter, in four years. Or, excuse me, he's done it once in the past four years. So that's not exactly going to bode well. And then, I'm sorry, Book and KD played about two dozen games in total, including the playoffs together. I don't think they've got great chemistry yet. They're two fantastic players and mostly can figure it out. We saw Book was really good in the playoffs, but chemistry and continuity matters. The champions just showed that to you. Last year's champions should have shown that to you. But for some reason, they're just looking this this looking at this and saying, yeah, we can beat those odds. We can we can just break the curve that's obviously forming in the NBA right now. And I just think it's ridiculous. I, I really don't know what they're looking at. Especially when like we're we're like at a time right now where flexibility and versatility is clearly the blueprint to winning, especially after what we saw Denver do. And also the new CBA is literally right ahead of us. And for you to make a decision like this, when you like this is the last period this is of team flexibility. Now. Yeah. This this, this is a team. like they're locked into this team. And like historically speaking, they the like this brand of this brand of team constructed just does not thrive. Like three guys that like, you know, eat in isolation primarily, and none of them are are really apex playmakers. It's just not really a formula for success, especially when the rest of the roster is thin. Now, and and don't get me wrong, I more so than I think any of you like the idea of the Phoenix Suns going into the playoffs, and I. Really, really like the idea of the Phoenix Suns with another year uh, to mesh, to figure out. I mean, they weren't running offense, guys. They had no fucking idea uh, what they wanted to get to each time down the court. It's just dudes got into zones. And, you know, when you, you get to, when you're playing at that kind of level, like Devin Booker was playing in the playoffs, it's it's figure it out. Get the ball to that guy, figure it out. And, and that's what happened a lot of the time. Um so the idea of that, that those guys with an offense, something that it's at least slightly more movement based and isolation pick and roll from, from both sides to break and just figure it out after that. I really like that with, with those two players. You know, you go inside out with those guys, you can attack a lot of defenses. But when you run against a team like the Nuggets that will kill you with their bench, you know, they'll drop 30 from their bench on you. Um, or you run into a team that can score in bunches with you and and also play some defense, right? Like, God forbid, uh, Demonte Simonis ever develops an eighteen footer. I, I think that the Sacramento Kings really <laughs> have twelve there footer. Or a twelve footer. If he can get a shot <laughs> off at four, fourteen feet, um, the Sacramento Kings really have a team that that can beat you in a lot of different ways. Like, Suns had no defense before. They have literally no defense now and they have no they don't have wings that we know of right now Tony. like like, i can't tell you any wings that i I think but their roster is going to be a complete upheaval so this this could look really stupid in six weeks when they use the mid-level to sign like 
Dylan Brooks and the biannual exception to sign someone and then $5 million uh, to trade somebody who's just getting off of the, the books, you know, like it, it, we could look dumb. They could have a, a fully constructed roster, bring back Tory Craig with bird rights, uh, Joshua Kogi with bird rights. And now all of a sudden they have an eight man rotation and they look like juggernauts. But it's at this moment, DeAndre Ayton gets hurt. Huh. For fucks. Like, there's there's nothing behind him at all. Right. Uh, and the, the next biggest guy is Tory Craig, so that's terrifying to me. No, it is. But, Tony, to your point, so you said, you know, you mentioned a Dylan Brooks, of course. There's a few other mid-level wings. And to me, that's not even the concern. Like, the wings, every contending team wants to add one more wing because they think that's, like, the last thing, typically, to put them over the, the, the hump, right? The way, You want another body to throw at somebody else. But for me, they have no pace manager on this team. They can only play one speed. And and I uh, to that point, this previous team before Beal was the same exact way. You could only play their speed. And Booker hit a lot of problems, as we discussed offensively. And I agree with you, Tony, that another year, I was like, okay, I could respect this Suns team. You know, when they traded for KD, it wasn't about this year. It was about next year. I said that when yeah. it happened, and I stood by that. But now this is just, this is hard capping your timeline, but hard capping your potential. Because Booker was on an absolute tear, but not as a playmaker in the playoffs. KD, we saw two years, or excuse me, last year, not this past playoffs, the previous one, when you ask him to be a playmaker against a good defense, that's a really tough task for KD. And then Bradley Beal, I mean, the dude hasn't had tremendous success against any actual playoff team. With all due respect to his ability as a scorer, we know that, but he's not a playmaker. So even I'm gonna be I'm gonna be respectful to Bradley Beal for one second. I, I do think his addition makes Kevin's life so much easier. Absolutely. On that team. Absolutely. And that's that's what you're weaponizing, and that's what you're trying to activate is you know, the last bastions of Kevin Durant's uh, elite basketball because he's, he's still a scorer at this just fucking wild, insane level. He's playing defense now better than he has post the, post the ACL, post the Achilles. So it's like that's why you get Bradley Beal. That's why you do it. And and I'm sure that it's going to make everything easier for the two scorers around him. But uh, <laughs> all the other concerns... Yeah, I, I, but the thing I go back to is we talked about maybe you get Tory Craig, maybe you get a Dylan Brooks, maybe you get, you know, Ish Wayne Wright and he becomes something. But at no point have we discussed what a point guard looks like for this team. And I How really don't know with a team that has more cap, though. Right. And that's uh, another thing is like all the point guards that could handle starting caliber duties are going somewhere else that has money to actually pay them. I thought campaign's minutes were better than Chris Paul's, and I, they, they felt like they severely missed him their entire playoff run. Like I, I think they feel like they have a point guard in Cam. I I have to disagree because I just don't think Cam is a stabilizer or a pace changer enough. Cam is really good for the spot minutes to give you like an alleviation of points, especially if someone's struggling to shoot, but he's giving you nothing defensively. Not that Chris Paul was, especially at this stage, but that's another thing is they don't have someone to give Beal or Book a chance to breathe against an all-star guard, of which the West has many. 
So like Beal and Book are going to be put in the blender against a Curry, against a Fox, against it's a Murray. That's going to be their build. Like I, that's that's what they're banking on. I think they're just hoping offense can be their defense. I just think uh, what what team have we have we seen that has succeeded in hoisting a Larry O'Brien Trophy? Do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's, historically speaking, that model does not thrive. It just doesn't. I'll challenge you and say Golden State just did it. They I, had an elite defense. Though. I was going to say I have to. They had an elite offensive talent. A world class Hall of Fame offensive talent in Curry, but after that, they didn't have it. They had Jordan Poole timely buckets. Clay Thompson remembered he was a NBA starter at some point, but if it wasn't Curry, it wasn't. But Clay going Thompson in. didn't remember he was a defender, and Draymond was getting cooked off the bounce almost the entire run, except for the games where he showed up, which was always really fun. But he had to get benched. At a part in in uh, well, I forget what game it was. Gibson would game four. Me. Game four, he had to get benched. Like I don't want to just sit here and say they had an elite defense. They got cooked. They got Are cooked you a lot. About the twenty two finals. Yeah, they got cooked a lot. And they had the number one defense in the league that season. And in got, that finals, the last three games, they held Boston to, to under a hundred every game. Yeah, but they blew, their their number one defense was led off the back of a lot of different guys that were out of not in the way that they were during the season, right? Like Rob will excelled in that playoff run. Um, the when you switch it back, Marcus Smart was not awarded. Had the number one defense, not Boston. I, I know, but Boston had the best defense in that series. Sure, but I, my point is that Golden State's defense was still really good. I mean, Kevon Looney had a fantastic yeah, series. <laughs> Curry was not getting absolutely barbecued. I agree about Clay Thompson because I've never been a big fan of Clay Thompson's defense. I think it's been overrated, but that's not important right now. I mean, even though um, um, but, but, but Looney yeah. was good. Wiggins was fantastic. Closer to the rim, sadly. Uh, Draymond was solid. I think at spots, I do. I hear you on him getting pulled. That's valid, but I think overall for the series, he was definitely a plus on that end. I, I just. But they hit shots. That's why they didn't have to play defense. They didn't have to worry about I, long rebounds going against. No, they didn't lose. No, Boston scored under 100 the last three games of. And they, they got neutralized in yeah, the fourth I, quarter I, of I every it. game. That's where they lost is and, on the offensive end because they couldn't they couldn't score on Golden State. And Golden State pre KD especially showed this, but post KD they were always defensive first teams. Like that that's been Kerr's secret is that. They're a defensive first team that capitalizes on good opportunities and, you know, controlling the ball. But Curry I'm not respect I'm not respecting Celtics half court creation. You want you wanted real Tony wow. on here? You got it. We're I'm not j- either. I don't, okay. It, but that's I mean that that's <laughs> yeah. fair, Tony. I agree. We can we can definitely acknowledge Boston was not a, you know made up of good decision makers in that finals. But Golden State You can throw them, all the stats on me you want. I don't, They put I, them Boston. in compromising positions, man, and Golden State succeeded at that. Curry was just supernova in terms of what he can do as an offensive player and yeah, he's the offense hard won. carrying. Ah, uh, no. Nah, Curry won by that by that like by that logic. But fine, the offense won. Kevin Durant doesn't have that same kind of ability. Devin Booker right, doesn't what's, have that same what's the table right here, Tony? They do not have the defensive pieces or the defensive infrastructure. No, absolutely. Nowhere near. No, so as like, soon as they miss a shot, it's it's over, right? Like it was the same thing we were yeah. saying this series. As soon as they miss a shot, it's over. It's over. Yeah. So Phoenix is a very long cry away from what Golden State has had in their championship runs. We can all agree on that, right? 
Yeah, I. I'm at a but I think I, I, I think it's like a little. We can't be short sighted to the point that we don't see what they're trying to do, right? I I get the build. I don't think it's going to work, but we get the build, right? We have to. If if they're getting even more efficient shots, you would hope that the shot makers would knock down those buckets. They don't have to play as much defense. I I guess, but I again, that's just such a, that's just such a bet. No, like, and let's be specific. Like, it's not that we don't understand what they're trying to do, and it's not that they aren't they aren't probably going to be pretty good. It's just when you're talking about winning a championship, because certainly you don't commit to paying fifty five million or whatever to Bradley Bill um, to be your third best player, unless you're you're gunning for a championship. So when you're talking about winning a championship, and you look back historically, teams that have thin depth that do not have a primary playmaker, that do not have a strong bench, that don't have a defensive infrastructure, they don't thrive. I can't think of any teams with that description that have won a championship. And that's that's all I'm saying, at least. Andrew Wiggins played out of his mind in that series, man. Oh, my God. He did? Yeah, he did, for sure. Yeah, he, he absolutely played great. And they, and they don't have like, an Andrew Wiggins on this team. Like, they just don't. The they issue. don't have them. They don't have any role players Respect that can play person. out of their minds and maybe surprise you. Right now, at least. This is time right now. Obviously, Respect things... Grant Williams? I won't. Okay, okay. Here you go with Williams' respect. Obviously, that is there, but they can get outbid by any team for any player they want. Well, those Anybody. players are going to have to leave players. They're going to they're choose, right? Those guys are going to choose where they want to go. They're all MLE dudes. And you have, like, if you look at the title teams the past handful of years, like, they all usually have that four spot that, you know, that combo big four spot that can defend uh, pretty much every position. Like, every championship team usually has that. Phoenix is missing that as well. Like, they don't have an Aaron Gordon or a Draymond or Wiggins even. They don't have that Giannis. They don't have that AD. Like, all the title teams have that one guy in the front court that's versatile enough to cover for pretty much everybody. And that's where this team kind of falls flat on his face on top of the fact that they don't have like a truer type of point guard to actually slow the game down and really get them in their sets. If you say that that's going to be Booker, then that might take away from the other spots where he shines. I do think the the stacker potential of Beal and also Book could be great for their offense, but as a team, they're not physical enough with their guys. Their offense is kind of redundant in terms of a bunch of great, high-quality mid-range guys who kind of do the same thing. Like they're very comparable players, in my you know opinion. And beating a team like Denver or like more rangier, sizier teams in the playoffs should be the focus because. I thought KD and Booker by themselves were pretty solid. It's just a matter of getting the team around them to fit better. And instead, they added a third guy, which now it's like, okay, Booker and KD were learning how to play together. They now have to readjust to playing with Bradley Beal. Right. I don't know. My biggest thing, my biggest thing is the regular season. It's the, I, I said this before they made the trade, too. So it's not as much 
a problem with like post trade because at the end of the day, like this, in terms of like team construction, they really just gave up Chris Paul, Landry Shaman for Bradley Bill. So objectively speaking, they improved their team. Um, so what I'm about to say has like nothing to do with the trade. I already thought this. The regular season, like you have two of your three stars now are pretty injury prone as of recent. And if you can't get through an 82 game regular season and, you know, secure a top seed, I just don't see, I don't see them making a deep playoff run. Because you can pencil KD down for 30 games missed. He hasn't played more than 55 games in four years. Bradley Bill has been having surgeries year in and out. Like he he's he's probably going to miss some games. And when your roster's that thin, it's just not enough to cover for it. Would you feel differently if they signed Kyrie Irving with a mid-annual? Or Would I feel differently if they signed Kyrie Irving for a mid-level? Yeah. And added to to the current big three they have? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I mean... Just, I'm just thinking because we, we keep talking about them not having a point guard, and I, I feel like they you know they have reasonable amounts of bodies that can create in the pick and roll. Uh, if they were to pull player. off the miracle of like having Kyrie and then keeping Aiden, then yeah, they'd be, they'd be was, in the driver too. It was just a joke, but... I, they're going to need another guard. Like, regardless of what you think yeah. of the campaign, they need another guard on that roster to play in the regular season. Um, you can't get away with two-way guys. Uh, you, you just they need, need another big. They need, they, they they need, need a, a wing guard and a big. Yeah. <laughs> like, All three. And, and they All can get that. Spots, yeah. They really can get that, and they can get good players because I think there's guys that are available, and I think there's going to be a lot of dudes that want to play with these three guys who I think just generally have a good temperament and are well-liked around the league. Um, I, it, yeah, so I, I don't think that's impossible. Yeah, as long as you're ready to get I thrown think, under the bus. Yeah, I think yeah, what absolutely. you need to is like this particular offseason, right? Normally, like... Normally, you see guys like do a tryout year where they take that minimum on a contending team, right? So that they're essentially trying out for next year's free agency. I don't think you see much of that at all this offseason. I think that players are going to either opt in or take the very best bag they can because next when next year's CBA kicks in or when they know CBA what time it is, yeah, yeah, it's like it's going to be harder to <laughs> to generate a bag, right? Yeah, I, I think I, I didn't think about that's a great point. Yeah, it's like I don't think guys are taking minimums. Like if they're going to take the best offer that they can, like even if it's short term. Look, I think this worked out for for everyone, uh, and when I say everyone, I, I mean the Miami Heat because we just made the division even weaker. Uh, uh, the South, the Southwest division is is ran and owned by the Miami Heat. Uh, Washington knew they couldn't compete, so they got rid of their star player. I uh, didn't want to trade him to us. No, can't, can't. Can't let that be a stain on their culture and their future, but uh, a stain you know, on their culture. To, shout out to the Heat is continue to thrive in all situations. And with Tony's last statement about the Heat thriving in situations, that will officially bring the first part of this colossal podcast to an end. We'll be catching you guys for part two, where we talk about the Boston Celtics, the Jalen Brown Supermax extension, Damian Lillard's future in reference to the Suns or the Heat or potentially just staying in Portland and more of the teams in the Eastern Conference as we try to ascertain who are the most important and prevalent teams to watch for in this offseason. So if you liked the episode today, I appreciate it. Again, it was a doozy. It's not what we normally do, 
for gifted hoops but i just love talking basketball with these guys we wanted to have a space where we put all that together and this was the first part of that so be tuned for the other parts they will be dropping within the coming days if you liked what you heard make sure to like the video on youtube subscribe to the gifted hoops youtube also like and five star this episode on apple Podcasts and spotify it really helps us grow consistently in every other place where you can find your nba podcast but i appreciate all the support more content is on the way during this off season we'll catch you guys in the next episode of get the hoops peace out people have a great one nba fans